We are recording. It's time to get rolling. So, how's everybody doing? Everyone slide into the parking lot? Hey. Wake up. Yeah, it's on. You're not being recorded, so, warning. <laughs> um, hey, let's pray and get rolling. Um, as you can see, we're going to talk about the environment today. So, we're going to go out and hug some trees and go about that. So. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. Lord, thank you for your provision. Lord, thank you for you and your in your presence. Because um, we know that you're here. We thank you for that. Lord, so I pray that you would open our minds, open our ears and our hearts um, so that we may better serve you and love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, yeah, so we're going to talk about the environment. Um, so this, uh, just as a um, caveat or whatever, uh, um, just to set the tone a bit, this section, if you're interested in data and the science, um, borrow one of the books or get this book, because this, this is the, by far the, the longest chapter that I've done so far in here. Um, and he's got charts, he's got spreadsheets, um, there's just data galore on different aspects of this, you know. So if, if you're, you know, if you lean towards the data side and number crunching, um, you might like it. If not, I summarized a lot. So um, it actually should be rather short um, because I, I don't know, I personally don't think that there's a lot of... There's two sides to this, you know, and I'll just, I mean, there's really if either you, you believe that God created everything and you trust him to be sovereign and, and, um, capable enough to hold everything together, you know, uh, literally scripture says he holds everything together, you know, um, either you believe that or you believe that, uh, in a more naturalistic way of things and that what you see is what we've got um it just happened by accident and we have to uh basically baby it because it's fragile and um you know we don't want it to go away so i mean that's really the only i mean either there's a there's probably a spectrum you know you fall in there somewhere but it's really only two ways to look at it um so let's get rolling and so, um, basically, everything I'm going to say is what Grudem has said um, with, with a couple of my own thoughts. But um, let's get rolling. So, <clears throat> so the original creation was very good. Um, God said that. Like, when he completed his work of creation, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Um, that's it. It's a high bar, right? Very good. Um, he had made a world in which there was no disease, no thorns or thistles to harm human beings. It was a world of great abundance and beauty, far beyond anything we can imagine today. Moreover, Adam and Eve were included in that pronouncement, very good, so they were perfectly free from sin. In addition, uh, they were not subject to disease, aging, or death. It's kind of hard to imagine, but um, but even in this perfect world, God gave Adam and Eve work to do. The Lord God, um, this is what scripture says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. 
God also set before Adam and Eve the entire created earth and told them to develop it and make it useful with the implication that they would enjoy it and give thanks to him. He says, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So subdue and and have dominion over it are two important things to remember. Um, Now, because Adam and Eve sinned, though, God placed a curse on the entire natural world. When Adam and Eve sinned, many things changed, even the natural world itself. The current state of the natural world is not the same as God created it to be. So what we see now is not the way God created it, the original creation. One of the punishments that God imposed on Adam and Eve was to change the functioning of the natural world so that it was no longer idyllic, but a much more dangerous and difficult place for human beings to live. Now, the the earth, um, he said, would contain thorns and thistles and many other dangerous and harmful things. God's words told Adam that now there would be danger and harm on the earth. Um, here the expression thorns and thistles functions as a figure of speech known as a synecdoche for all you English majors. Um, it's a specific um, concrete example that represents a whole category of things such as floods. I mean, so the thorns and thistles represent such things as floods, droughts, earthquakes, you know, that make the earth such a place where natural beauty and usefulness are are constantly mixed with elements that bring destruction, sickness, and even death. So nature is not now what it was created to be, but it has fallen. So this component of, of a Christian worldview has significant implications for how people view the environment today. Um, the creation is not now perfect, as it once um, as it once was, and someday will be again. But at present, nature still exists in a fallen state. Therefore, what we think of as natural today is not always good. We must protect children from putting their hands um, in holes. I don't know if you're big in a spider bite or a snake bite. You know, um, we must build flood walls and levees to protect against floods, for example. Uh, we irrigate fields to grow crops where nature did not decide to grow them. We have to work the land, basically. We, you know, we, um, we, this is relevant to all of us. We put screens on windows, spray insect repellent to keep natural mosquitoes from biting us. So this fallen nature today is not the Garden of Eden. <clears throat> So we improve on nature in thousands of ways to make the world a more suitable place to live. But of course, people can make mistakes in their attempts to subdue subdue the earth, and there can be harmful results, such as polluting the air. Um, But evaluating whether those attempts are harmful or helpful is merely a matter of assessing the resulting facts, not something to be dismissed merely because they are tampering with nature. Attempting to make such modifications to what is natural is in general morally right and part of what God wants human beings to do with the earth. Um, Christians should not automatically assume that what is natural 
is probably or always better. So by contrast, some people today, especially among more radical environmental movements, do not understand the fallen status of of the natural world, but think that what is natural is the ideal. And that's what I said in the opening statement. And therefore, they regularly oppose ordinary, beneficial human efforts to improve in the way things exist in the natural world. Um, Such as, there was a a story in like 2010-ish or whatever, uh, the Wall Street Journal um, wrote about, and of course it's California, but they basically opposed irrigation for this entire valley for farmers, so it... um, Basically, it decimated farming in this entire valley uh, because of this three-inch-long fish. Um, you know, I mean, and, and it, and, and even to this day, that the the economy in that area is still recovering. Um, but thank God we have this the smelt that you know is living life. But, anyways. Um, <clears throat> Toy loss, where is that? So, um, this tendency leads some people to oppose every new factory, dam, or residential development project, no matter how carefully constructed or how sensitive the plans are to protect uh, the surrounding environment. All because of their highest good, or their God in some sense, is the earth in its untouched natural state. Like Mother Earth, for instance. Thus, they oppose everything that tampers with the earth, everything that changes an animal habitat or a growth of trees. So this is making nature to be God and not consistent with a biblical worldview. So it is not wrong in principle, as many environmentalists think it is, for human beings to modify the world. We do it all the time. From, from the macro scale, such as hydroelectric dams or, or huge canals, to the micro scale, like um, GMOs, genetically modified organisms. You know, it helps plants and stuff grow. So God created the earth to <clears throat> be occupied and developed by human beings made in his image. He told us to work it, right? That's all part of that. So now God now wants human beings to develop the earth's resources and to use them wisely and joyfully. Um, as stated earlier, um, or, or Genesis one twenty eight says, "Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over every living thing that moves on the earth." It's part of our responsibility. So th- this responsibility to subdue the earth and have dominion over it implies that God expected Adam and Eve and their descendants to explore and develop the earth's resources in such a way that they would bring benefit to themselves and other human beings. Now, what about subduing the earth? You know, that because that's all um, pre-fall. Subduing the earth after the fall. The um, <clears throat> responsibility to develop the earth and enjoy its resources continued after Adam and Eve. Um, for even then, God told them, you shall eat the plants of the field. So we're, we're continuing to have dominion over and, and subdue the, the earth. <clears throat> Um, so many questions about applying biblical teachings to environmental issues have to do with correctly evaluating the facts about the current situation of the earth and this is where 
the data can you know you can you can skew data to say what you want it to say you know and that's um, it's easily done and it's done all the time so one question we need to ask ourselves so are we destroying the earth <clears throat> people often fear that we are about to run out of land for growing food clean water or some other essential resource so the earth will no longer sustain human life that fear leads them to live with the, a faint cloud of continual guilt whenever they drive a car, water their lawn, or use paper cups or paper plates. Especially paper straws. Anybody a fan of those? I hate paper straws. <laughs> They're ridiculous. Um, so, however, uh, Gruden believes that feelings of fear and guilt are misleading. And that goes back to, you know, um, just groups skewing the data. It can, it can drive a lot of fear one way or the other. But so God has created. But here's the fact: God has created for us an earth that has incredible abundance. And whenever it seems that some resource is becoming scarce, He has given us wisdom to invent useful substitutes. Um, and we'll get in later on, you know, different energy resource or sources. Um, and it's, it's just astounding how just how abundant it is in this this planet. <clears throat> Uh, Grudem says that he has found that people's vague impressions about what is happening to the earth are almost always wrong. You know, there's multiple reasons for that. But people have developed their opinions not from actual data showing the true state of the earth as a whole and showing long-term trends, but, but they're, they're shown this barrage of media reports about specific local incidents that are, that are where something has gone wrong. Like, for instance, a certain oil spill or a crop failure or famine in a particular country or the cutting down of trees and loss of forest um, in some country or a video of a polar bear jumping off a slab of melting ice somewhere in the Arctic, you know, and so forth. Um, you know, th those are emotional. It's, it's intended to raise our emotions, you know, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't, um, it, it it doesn't lend to the long-term data. You know, there's it, just short-term emotional incidents. But we should always keep in mind that newspapers need readers, and televisions, programs need viewers, and fear is one of the great ways to increase an audience. Therefore, the, the media have a natural bias towards reporting alarming events. This is not a secret. Whether... <laughs> Whether an airplane, you know, crash or serial killer or, or water food shortage in some place or another. Um, but such individual events almost always have specific local causes. They may not exist anywhere else. Now, Grudem goes on to show that, that long-term trends show that human beings will be able to live on the earth, enjoy ever-increasing prosperity, and never exhausting its resources. Now, this is one of those areas where there's about a bazillion pages of data, um, and I, we're not going over that. So <laughs> if you're interested, uh, get with one of us, and we'll, we'll lend you a book. But, um, but for example, one of the categories that he expounds on um, is the fact that we have plenty of land for growing food. You know, And if you've been anywhere outside of the city, um, you understand that. Um, he says... Out of the total ice-free land surface of the earth, 
One estimate is that about 24% of the land is arable. And I don't know if I'm saying that right, but that basically means you, you're, we're capable of growing stuff on it. Um, and, but this potential, hang on, yeah, <clears throat> but this potential cropland is more than three times the area actually used for growing crops in any given year at the present time. That is, we currently grow crops on less than one-third of the Earth's um, available growing land. So we're, we're using a small chunk of what we could actually grow on. Um, and that's, support, that's to support 8 billion people. You know, um, It's rather sobering. Um, <clears throat> and Gruen presents a lot more information than just the usage of land. He goes on. Um, to talk about world population and its impacts and how it's, you know, it's, it's ever increasing, but it's actually starting to show like a plateau. Um, he goes into clean air, um, water availability and usage. Um, if you don't know, we have a lot of water on this planet. Um, uh, waste disposal, how, you know, um, improvements in that has, has helped. And even talks about life expectancy. Um, <clears throat> so the overall picture is a very encouraging one of continual growth and progress. We're making better use of the environment in which we live and also taking better care of it each year. So God created an abundant and resourceful earth, and we are developing an ever greater ability to make wise use of the resources that he has placed in it for our benefit. Um, and, and he does this so that we can give him glory for it. Um, you know, I think, I don't know, I, I forget that sometimes, you know, I just use, use what's there, you know, and forget that God supplied it, you know. All right, so when it comes to our energy resources and energy usage, um, there's, there's a lot of options. Um, sometimes, uh, this groom says, sometimes people naively assume that we are quickly running out of energy sources. But that is simply not true. You know, like, I mean, I'm sure, you know, you know, some of your parents or whatever, you know, you got to save energy. Or when we were kids, it was always saving water, you know. Um, and then I learned that, you know, you don't actually run out of water. It's just a big cycle, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, but really, now that I'm older and I have to pay for everything, it's more like, you know, turn that light off because it costs me money. You know, it's not like we're running out of it. You know, we're... We just keep making it, you know, it's just, um, but it costs me money, so turn it off, right? <laughs> um, so Grudem gives data for each of the energy sources. You see on the, the slide that, that shows how we currently use them and how we have improved in our usage of them, as well as data showing the abundance of each type. Um, and um, it's interesting, like coal is a major producer. I don't remember the percentage, but it's like either 60-something or 70%. Um, and... One uh, or s several indicators say that, you know, we have right now we have coal resources to last at least like 1500 years. You know, who knows if we last that long. But um, but, you know, so there's an abundance. Right. And then, you know, nuclear, um, there's all sorts of possibilities with that. You know, uh, if we can get past regulation and all that good stuff. But um, and then uh, then, you know, the more renewable ones like wind, um, solar. Um, hydroelectric, 
you know, those, those are used in some areas. Anybody, you know, gone to um, Hoover Dam or something like that? You know, that's a major hydroelectric um, facility. But um, <clears throat> so so Grudem says there there is an incredible abundance of energy available for human use on the earth. Once again, uh, you know, this is not surprising. God put us on the earth to develop and use his resources wisely so it is responsible or is reasonable that he provided us with multiple sources of energy you know i believe that too, as far as you know i mean think about like, this this is far reaching but you know won't medicines and stuff you know it's like it's like he's provided everything you know there's, there's all sorts of things but um <clears throat> So therefore, it makes no sense for people to think that there is some virtue in always seeking to reduce our energy use. Unless you just want to save money. Energy energy is what replaces human physical work, such as walking everywhere and carrying everything by hand rather than driving. And animal work, such as plowing fields and grinding grain with oxen. Um, and, And energy is what makes economic development possible. When we increase our use of the energy sources that God has provided by using a truck to carry goods hundreds of miles or flying by plane to a distant city or driving quickly to a meeting 30 miles away or using a tractor to plow our field or turning on the dishwasher or washing machine or living comfortably with some AC in the house um, or you know just turn the heater on. So we, we decrease the time we have to spend on travel or menial labor. Basically, life is easier <laughs> once we start using what God has given us, and better, really. <clears throat> Therefore, we in, um, increase the amount of work we can get done, and thus increase human prosperity. And we increase human freedom because we have no more, or we have more time left to devote to more creative and valuable tasks of our own choosing. Using all available energy sources is wonderful. Uh, or um, is a wonderful ability that God has provided the human race, and it marks us as, um, as far above the animal kingdom. As creatures truly made in the image of God, we should never carelessly waste energy, but we should all also never be afraid to use energy for productive, useful purposes. We should be thankful for the ability of the human race to be to use more and more energy resources that God has placed in the world for our benefit and enjoyment. So, um, <clears throat> so what about global warming? Um, actually, now I think the 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 buzz term is climate change. Um, it's not just warming. Um, it's it's basically about the. Um, you know the, the the genesis behind it all is that it's about the increase of greenhouse gases and their effects on our planet, whether it's warming or cooling. Um, and does anyone, you know, some of you aren't old enough to remember this, but a lot of you are. You know the the ozone layer depletion. You know, when I was a kid, it was always you know where we're burning a hole through the ozone, right? And you know, it had to do with CFCs, these these chlorofluorocarbons, you know, found in aerosols and other products. And I remember I would always joke with my sister for single-handedly burning a hole in the ozone, you know, for bathing and, and hairspray every morning, you know. Um, and she just about did it. But, um, 
But now the, the ozone layer is basically a non-issue, or it's at least recovering, and it's on its way back to what the normal levels are. Um, but now, um, you know, one other uh, element of the, the, these greenhouse gases is carbon dioxide, and that's where a lot of the focus is nowadays, is on carbon dioxide. Um, and this, again, Groom gives a plethora of info on CO2. Um, way more we're gonna, than we're going to go over. Um, <clears throat> but from a very basic standpoint, I think it's important to know that, that God designed this planet and everything living um, to have a very close relationship with CO2. Um, all breathing organisms exhale CO2, and all plants need it to grow and flourish. So there, there's this relationship, right? Um, <clears throat> So that's really the ground level understanding of what we we, we should all know that um, because God created a balance and CO2 is not the enemy here, even though we we hear it in a negative aspect a lot. God, um, now part of the this environmentalist concern is that too much CO2 can cause a problem. So what Gruden basically does is summarize that there's a lot um, of the concern of too much CO2 is overblown. And that there are actual benefits from increases in CO2, um, such as, um, uh, well, in, as, as far as global warming is concerned, Grudem says that it's important to understand here that the, the fears of future global warming rest on the predictions of computer models that give different weights to different factors. So whatever information you put in, you can then massage the information that comes out, right? The computer programs are not infallible, but will predict whatever is required by the data and formulas fed into them. Different data and different formulas, based on different assumptions, will give different predictions. So, like I said, you know, the data you put in will will um, determine the data that comes out. Um, <clears throat> so, did did God design? a fragile earth or a resilient, robust one? Um, should Christians believe that God has actually designed the earth to be this fragile? You know, as um, a lot of the current environmentalists um, claim it is. Especially in response to human activity. Um, this would be analogous to believing, if, if so, this would be analogous to believing that an architect designed a building so that if someone leaned against the wall, the building's structural feedbacks would be would so magnify the stress of that person's weight that the building would collapse. So now no one could consider such an architect, architectural design very good, right? No, I mean, no architect would do that. Um, and yet Genesis, again, tells us God saw everything that he made and behold, it was very good. Um, so since the earth is the product of an infinitely wise and omniscient God and is sustained by his providence, it seems more reasonable to think that the, the fundamental mechanisms of the Earth's climate system are robust, self-regulating, and self-correcting, that they are designed to operate somewhat like a thermostat, you know, cooling the planet when it, be, when it begins to warm and warming it when it begins to, cold, to cool. Now, that's important, you know, like we were talking about um, <clears throat> using long-term trends when, when we're, 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 you know, um, coming up with, with um, what we believe. You know, it's like not just these 
incidents that happen, you know, if there's a flood, then all of a sudden, oh, climate change, you know, um, it's using long-term trends um, because literally the, the earth is made to adjust, you know, and so it'll warm for a while, it'll cool for a while, and, and um, um, it's, it's a really big system, so it doesn't turn on a dime, you know, but um, so God's promises to maintain stability in seasons and oceans. Um, this is interesting. Some some other biblical teachings point in this same direction, reflecting details of God's protection of the earth's seasons and oceans. For example, after the great flood of Noah's day, um, God promised while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. You know, so right there he's saying, he's like, I got it, guys. You know, chill out. <laughs> it's going to remain. It's not going to go away. Um, <clears throat> and of course, uh, there's countless uh, scripture that talks about God's absolute control over the weather. Um, and he uses it, you know, for his purposes. So Grudem says that the, the warnings about dangerous man-made global warmings are based on Poor scientific evidence and scientific methods um, are not proven by previous empirical data conflicting with the Bible's teachings about the nature of earth and man's purpose on the earth and proposed solutions that would cripple the words, the world's economies and bring immense harm to the poor. So these solutions would also bring unacceptable losses, losses to human freedom and immense increases in government power. Um, and talking about carbon dioxide, he says, uh, while carbon dioxide does not contribute to any significant measure um, to dangerous levels of global warming, increasing its amounts in the atmosphere would bring important agricultural benefits um, in terms of increased plant growth. So there's benefits to it. Slight increases in global temperatures would, on the whole, bring important agricultural benefits as well, especially in terms of longer growing seasons. I think right now we wouldn't mind a little bit more warmth, right? Um, or a shorter winter. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a fan. Um, so in light of these factors, governments should not adopt any policies to regulate the amount of carbon fuel used or to diminish the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. So uh, there's a lot there, you know, um, but I know it very summarized um, again, if you want data, you're one of those people, um, get the book and go through it. It'll take you a while. There's a lot there. Um, but I did have a couple of questions to throw out there. First of all, um, is there anyone that disagrees with any of this? Because um, obviously everything, most of what I went through is what Wayne Grudem thinks. Tim. Okay. Well, regarding this, there are a thousand different ways to look at what you're talking about. Yep. And so, honestly, I, mean, I, I believe that God is completely sovereign. He has complete control over this world. And that uh, it will be intact until the last day. So I don't dispute any of that. However, I'll say, where does Guten live? Arizona. Yeah, okay, right. So he lives in Arizona, in the land of plenty, where the most prosperous country in the world. We have the highest GNP of the world. Uh, we're the 
world's largest economy. So not just Arizona, but the U.S. Right. Yep. But if you were to ask somebody living in a tribe in Africa or somewhere else, I mean, so many places, so many people in the world live on a dollar a day. And so, so many people in the world live in poverty. Mm-hmm. And so many people in the world live in droughts where they have to carry uh, buckets, they have to walk a mile with a, with a, with a, with a barrel or whatever and get the water for the family and carry it back to the village. And so, just keep in mind that uh, you can use, or, you know, I'm not saying you, yeah. but I'm saying that statistics can be uh, said, can be twisted to say anything, and that it's really important to get a clear picture of what's happening and the uh, impact of, of uh, the world events uh, over, the, over the past hundred years has been great on the world and so uh, that's with starting with six billion people going up to the billions of people increase rapidly more rapidly now than ever mm. and so before long we're going to be at 20 billion people and that can all be calculated but the thing is here now that uh, we every person puts a stress on the world and so just, just whenever you, the, the whole point behind this is that whenever you look at statistics, don't just look at the surface. I mean, there, look at, consider some of the other review points as well, and really try to understand an objective picture of what's happening. Great. Yeah. And that, I think maybe I didn't do a very good job of conveying that, but it's it that lends to the you know, don't base opinions on individual specific events that happen, but try to draw conclusions based on long-term empirical evidence, you know. And I think that's kind of what you said in, in a shorter case. You know, because you, like you're talking about, yeah, there's places in the world that, that have it much more difficult than other places. Um, and it, I think that actually lends to the um, the philosophy that we should be using what we have more than not using it, right? You know, like the advances of uh, water filtration. Um, I think there, there's one part in here where he talks about um, oh, at a certain point. Actually, I'll get to it if you don't want to hold your hand up. Um, you know, uh, where, I don't know, X number of years ago that, you know, there was a very small percentage of the world had access to... Um, clean water, you know, I don't know how you define that exactly. Um, but then in a short period of time, it was a, a very large percentage, you know. Um, and it's because we're using resources and energy to make that happen, you know. Um, and so it's, yeah, but, yeah, and it's not, that's not a but, but it, it, I think it goes in line with what you're saying, you know, that you've got to always, you know, view, view data um, carefully, right? Axel, sorry. So I think uh, I think a, big, a part of the thing is you mentioned this. Because I'm talking about this, you know, small minnow you know, or whatever <laughs> stream. Like I think some smelt. of that is like yeah, <laughs> some of that is for us to think about stewardship of the earth, like what it means to actually take care of it, yeah. and allowing 
And like another part of this is scale. It's really hard for us as humans to actually imagine what seven billion or even eight billion people look like. Like we don't have the ability to really see that scale. And we have to be careful that we are not letting greed and money speak for us in our stewardship of this earth. So allowing large scale things to happen that devastate the wildlife is a problem in some regard. But it's it's, also, it's about stewardship. It's about taking care of what we have so we don't lose it. Because every creature was created by God mm-hmm. for this earth, and if we let them just die off, yeah. that that in itself is a, is bad stewardship. We're not taking yeah. care of what we have that He's given us. Yeah. And the other thing of this too, I think we have to look out for is money talks, statistics, corporations, all this like money. Is very powerful, and people with a lot of money can do a lot, can put a lot of statistics out that are just plain wrong. And it goes on either side of this. So we have to be very careful that we're looking at this with the large term data, with all that, because if we don't, we can be swayed by the money that's changing hands, like by the mm-hmm. money that's going around, and we can be swayed by these large conglomerates that have an immense amount of control over what we see in the stores, what we see on the news, what we see on social media. We have to be careful of all that when we're making decisions about <clears throat> yeah. our own personal uses yeah. and stuff. Just, I want to throw out an interesting thing because, um, so speaking of uh, animal species and stuff, um, so extinction is a normal thing, right? There's countless species of creatures that have come and gone all the time. Um you know, so it's important to understand that it, it's not that we're, it's not such a bad thing that something goes extinct. Now, obviously, I'd hate for there not to be any deer anywhere. You know, that would kind of suck. Um, but it's it's that, you know, I think that, I think the point, um, it, you know, if I could provide any more clarity is that the, the point is that it's we don't you know what we shouldn't be doing is is setting or elevating um, animals above humanity you know and that's I think that's where it gets into trouble right you know I'll go back to Scott first and then we'll a few years back there was a great great thing that happened that dealt a lot on this was uh, Dr Ken Ham got to debate Bill Nye the science guy <laughs> yeah I remember that actually. so this was some of that that came out. And so Dr. Ken Ham just looked at Bill Nye and he said, look, look at it this way. If you take God out of the picture and you take human beings, the species of human beings, whose only object on this world is to harm itself, it is complete insanity believe that they can treat the world better than they know how to treat their own species. Hmm. And of course, Bill and I came back with that, with something he shouldn't have said. He came back and says, yeah, well, what do you think of God puts in it? He says, then we have a great standard of rule of how we're supposed to do it. Yeah, set them up. <laughs> That's good. Okay. Hey, um, I think also that there's a difference in saying like the world will survive, which I fully believe, but does that include certain people groups like to come back to like the first like for some people it's hard to get water and stuff like that it's I believe that all of this is available in 
especially American stuff. But then I also have a lot of family living in Europe, where in the last three years, um, electricity bills have like doubled. Mm. Most places tripled, yeah. where people are now not able to, you can't buy any houses unless you provide your own energy, as in like solar energy. Yeah. Um, they have scheduled blackouts on a very yeah. regular basis where they just say, hey, this day you're going to yeah. be without power because they have to reserve yeah. the energy. So, And why is it? That's because of regulations. Yes, because you know, of, yeah. and that's what you were speaking yeah. of, misuse and government and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because so most of that is like banned. Yes. <laughs> or the, the cheap stuff is banned. So yeah. I know it's available. Yeah. But what about those places where, because of government and stuff like that, it's not available? Is that like, one, are they lying to you? Yeah. Two, what are you supposed to do about yeah. it? And are those people groups going to survive the same way as we do over here? Yeah. It's, like, it's Greta Thunberg's fault. Yeah. It's what? <laughs> Anyone know who Greta? Greta? I, mean, I don't oh, might not yeah, be saying yeah, her last yeah, name yeah, right, but yeah, yeah. blame it on her. No. <laughs> yeah. The purpose of the World Economic Forum is to depopulate the world by billions and billions. Yeah, I've, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. And, and so there is. That's a good thing. Right, <laughs> and. One way they're doing it is by, you know, you can't use fertilizer for your crops because it pollutes. And so there are some countries who have done this, Sri Lanka, and they're starving to death. Yeah. Well, it doesn't, that just highlights that, like, okay, you know what? There's no God in charge. We don't, and if there is, we don't trust him to, to be able to handle this, you know. I mean, okay, maybe, yeah, he created everything, but he can't handle the, the day-to-day pressures of, you know, too many people, and so we need to step in and, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's yeah. it's a totally different worldview. Yeah, know? those are the elites. Yeah. They're, they want yeah. all the luxuries, but anyway, yeah. another thing, when I was substitute teaching in Troy 15 years ago, I just want to say subtle ways... This whole philosophy is. I was in a classroom and I had to read a book to them. And it was about a boy going fishing with his grandpa and he caught a fish. And the little boy says, Don't murder the fish! And was all upset, you know? And I said, You don't murder fish, you catch them and you eat them. And that's food to eat. It's not murdering, but it was just that whole thing. And then another class came up, not supposed to use cut down trees. You've got to save the trees. And I looked around the classroom and I said, well, what's made of wood here? And what is your house made out of? What happens if we had no wood to build things? I said, you can plant new trees and grow, you know? And, and a third grader once was so upset <clears throat> because the water was going to cover New York City and there was going to be flooding and people were going to die. Yeah. She had just watched Al Gore's... Yeah, convenient or inconvenient. And, and yeah. she couldn't sleep at night. I mean, she was truly yeah. stressed. A little third grader worrying yeah. about, you yeah. know, the world. Another example of... You know, specific current events to, to drive emotion, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Um, 
Oh yeah. Right now. Last question. But, but I just wanted to make a comment that the very first thing that you said about the dichotomy between, like, say, a Christian belief versus the, you know, right. the non-Christian belief yeah. of the fact that this earth is meant to be finite. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. there will be there's an end. Eternal, yeah. different earth. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So that whole that. It's not meant to go on forever and ever and ever. Yeah. Earth is not meant to survive forever, yeah. which a lot of these people are looking at this being the yeah. eternal right. Earth. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, so and take care of it. You know, don't. <laughs> yeah. You know, like you do. Look, I in fact live with a person that just like kind of sometimes goes overboard. I feel like with stewardship sometimes with like I don't think we have to do that, but. But it is important to obviously sure. steward what we have and be responsible for sure. it and not be fearful that, I mean, yeah. we're not drilling our own oil because of, I mean, if God yeah. put it here, you know, yeah. I mean, I just feel yep. like there's yeah. that difference between eternal perspective, absolutely, yeah. of this earth, yeah. you know? Well, um, yeah, thank you for that. And we we got we to gotta get rolling, but good conversation, guys. Go hug a tree on your way out. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we, we love you and we thank you, like, like I opened with, for your provision, God. You um, you are so wise, um, and none of this is a challenge for you. You, Like you said, Jesus you know, holds up everything, every atom you hold together. I mean, if not, everything would just blow up and be gone. Um, so... It's reasonable to conclude that you can handle um, provision of stuff for us for whenever, you know, or until whenever you decide to come back and and make everything new again. Um, So, Lord, um, you know, help us to be humble and to, um, you know, try to understand where the the counter um, viewpoint comes from. Um, And... um, Help us to to always be wise. In Jesus' name, amen.